kings and prophets. And we've gone through, most of it was the life of uh, Solomon. And then we were introduced to this character, Rehob- uh, well, Jeroboam. And then Rehoboam, there's two, now there's two kind of parallel kings to a split kingdom. And it gets confusing because their names sound alike. But Jeroboam, as we're going to learn a little bit about him today, this is not a picture of him. This is a picture of a prophet. And uh, this prophet um, is Ahijah. And really, he's what he's doing, and he, he kind of basically forms the principle that we're learning as he deals with this man named Jeroboam, this other king. Let's just read this here, chapter 14. We're just going to read verses uh, 1 to 6. Let's just do that, and then we'll look at the other verses later as we go along. Verses 1 to 6, 1 Kings 14. It says, at that time, Abijah, this isn't the prophet, this is a different one. Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam, and get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves and cracknels and a cruise of honey, and go to him, and he shall tell thee what shall become of the child." And Jeroboam's wife did so and arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. And the Lord said unto Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, for it shall be when she cometh in that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it, came, and it was so when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet as she came in at the door that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam, why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. We'll stop right there. We'll hope to get into some of the other dialogue. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that... Um, You've probably noticed this. People who are blind have to then depend on what? Hearing, Hearing, okay? And then people who are deaf have to depend extra on what? Sight, okay? And then um, people maybe that are lame in the legs have to what? Depend on the arms and talking to get people to do what they want, right? You know, uh, sometimes you have when you have senses that are disabled or or whatever, you have to depend on another sense. Now, with us, we're all faulty in, in a lot of ways, in all of our senses, in a way. We're all kind of faulty. And like this guy, this is the prophet, his, his sight had gone. And basically, the crux of this thing is this guy had to depend on God's insight to manage this deal that was happening. There was other insight he needed, and it had to be from God, 
to deal with this person who is visiting him. Now, this isn't, this is a prophet. This is the wife of a king who was sent to be disguised. And so sometimes, don't you get like that where, how many of you ever had somebody, maybe in the, think about just this last year, did somebody come to you, whether it's on a call or in person, and tried to kind of deal with you? And after a while, you thought, wait, I'm not dealing who, who I thought I was dealing with. Anybody like that? You know, how, come on. How many of you have gotten a call and you start talking? And you're like, wait a minute. They're all sounding all chummy with me. But it's still a recording. You know, I, I've gotten this call. You know, it used to be you'd pick up the phone. Hello, hello is this Michael Henry? You're like, forget it. Now it's like this. Hello? <laughs> Oh, hi, hi. And I'm like, hello, is this Michael? <laughs> you know, kind of have this little girly sound like, tell me, tell me, I'm your little sister or whatever, I'm your friend. And then after a while, I'm like, that's still recording. They got me trying to trick me, you know. Sometimes you're not, you don't, you have to figure out, who am I really dealing with, right? With people. Well, and so that's what, that's what's happening with this guy. So here's the story. <clears throat> Excuse me again. My voice is, I'm having problems with it. I feel okay. Just my voice has just got some issues. This guy, Ahijah. Let's talk about him for a minute. This guy right here, we first learned about him because God saw the way, first of all, God saw the way Israel was going through Solomon. Solomon, he, massive compromise, especially towards the end of his life. And so God said, as a judgment, God told the prophet Ahijah, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and select Jeroboam, who had no relationship to him except by way of working. You go tell Jeroboam, long story short, that he's going to be the next king. I'm going to snatch ten tribes from what otherwise would have been the descendants of David. I'm going to give them to Jeroboam. And if Jeroboam does right, he can continue that for a long, long, long time. But a son of David will always have these other tribes. And so that's what God told Ahijah to go, go do. So Ahijah meets this Jeroboam, who again was, he was a very much of a, he was like, I would say he was kind of like charismatic type leader, more in probably in the area of work and rallying people. I think his name means the rights of the people, you know. And, um, and so here the prophet Ahijah meets Jeroboam and he says, God's going to make you the king. It's a few chapters before this. And if you follow him, the next king, if you follow him, he's going to continue the covenant with you. But if you forsake him, then he'll forsake you in that, in that sense. So, and God also told through Ahijah, this man, this prophet, who meets Jeroboam. God also told him, oh, by the way, Jeroboam, the reason we're doing this is because Solomon and many of Israel are already forsaking the Lord and you know, serving these idols. Solomon was building these other temples for his pagan wives. And God's not, that, that's, that's, that's a, really, it's unfaithfulness to God. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have you take care of these tribes now, these 10. Well, in the process of time, we saw, we knew what happened. This man, Jeroboam, ended up doing the very thing that called him to the stage in the first place that they thought he would help with. He ended up doing this idol worship also. He got very pragmatic about it, remember? He's, he said, okay, well, we got two kingdoms, two kingdoms. Well, they, they can take care of the two tribes, the sons of David. And I got these ten, and, 
we're kind of close to each other. And the temple, we still got to follow the we still got to follow the Bible. That means our people are going to go down into Judah two or three times a year for the temple. And if they do that, they're going to stay with David's family and, and follow in that country. And I'm going to lose this. And God never told them that. God said, you just do what I say and everything's going to be fine. It would have been a fine thing, them going back and forth, if he followed God. Sometimes when we get insecure about things, we do crazy stuff. we got to be careful when we get insecure in our own like personal identity and personal possessions, we might do crazy things. Well, he did a crazy thing. He took, actually, in this case, he took advice. He took counsel. It would have been ungodly counsel. He says, you know, and he was basically the, the, the consensus was do this. You do build a, you do this, uh, build a, get a golden calf here in this southern part of your country and put another one in the northern part and, and, and then they can, and people can go there and worship. And it was a form of idolatry and it was it had still a flavor of what Moses taught, but it was still idolatry. And so he begins to worship these golden calves. And he made, you know, he didn't follow Moses' the word of God where it says, this is how you select the priest, and it comes from this family, and it should be in this way. He says, you know, we're going to make our own priests. And he made priests of his own, of his own. He, he contrived things, as the scripture said, out of his own heart. And he started making this other type of religion in northern and southern Israel where, it was, where you'd primarily congregate. And so Jeroboam is becoming a, a, you know, a false worshiper. He, knew, he knows the truth. He was already spoken to earlier by this true prophet. And he was in Israel. He would have heard the truth. But now he's, he's uh, apostatizing. He's, he's leading religiously in the wrong way. And so... What's happening, again, there's another part of the, the other country would have been, or the other half of the country is run by Rehoboam, which we'll look at at another time. So here he is. This guy is going about his life. Maybe it's been successful. Maybe he's been getting great crowds at both of these places and, and all that. And uh, he had also been confronted, remember, by the one unnamed prophet that said, hey, altar, altar. Remember that whole story? There's kind of two halves of that story. So he'd been confronted again, but he's still doing it. Even though he saw a miraculous thing happen to his hand, being diseased or whatever it was, and then healed, and then the altar just breaking out of the blue in front of him. And then that very prophet who did all that stuff, he saw God actually go intervene and take that prophet's life because he was disobeying. All of that is the fingerprints of God, even if it's... Even in that negative part of that prophet's life being taken, it's all testifying to this guy. God means business about what you're doing. But he put it off, he put it off, he put it off. Now, I don't like this. I don't like trying to relate with what happens next, but this is what happens next. This guy's son, I don't know all of his kids, but we know at least one, his name. He's sick unto death. And he's probably a young man. He's probably in his 20s perhaps late teens, whatever his age is, it's enough such that this teenager or young man believes on God and people recognize it. Yes, his son. You'll see it later on. So this wicked king's son is sick. He's a good kid, though. And he's sick unto death. So the Bible says now that he's... Um, he says to his wife, okay, verse 1, chapter 14, verse 1, at the time... Uh, Abijah, that's, again, not the Ahijah, it's Abijah. 
The son of Jeroboam fell sick. Verse 2, Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou may that thou mayest be known to be the not that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam, and get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. So what's going to happen in the rest of this? Here's the way we want to break this down: is he tells his wife, disguise yourself and go meet that. Go meet the preacher that first kind of got me going. And what we're going to see again is the principle here, if you can click that, this is not working up here, um, is we need to trust God. This is what we're going to learn as we move from here on out. All of us and wherever you're at, trust God to give you spiritual insight Okay, in life, when dealing with all kinds of people, whether it's your own child, spouse, neighbor, me, anybody, trust God to give you spiritual insight, especially when dealing with a Jeroboam type of a person. He's going to deal with a Jeroboam type. It's happening by means through his wife. So here's the first thing we learn here about Depending on God, having spiritual insight, and dealing with a Jeroboam type. Here's the first thing we're going to learn. That pain stirs him up. His pain stirs him up. Now, not the prophet, but Jeroboam. It's not a bad thing that pain would stir you up. Do you ever have something happen in your body? Oh, that hurts. I'm getting, I'm going to get up, or I'm going to go to the doctor. Or somebody somebody in your family is sick. Or one of your kids, that gets my attention. If it's severe, I can tell, we can t- each, all of us could spend the rest of our time telling a story when one of our kids was sick and what it did to us spiritually. And most of it probably would say it did good for us spiritually, right? How many of you could say that was true, what I just said for you? I've had times when one of my kids had something severe and beyond with the normal, and it's like, oh, and it did me good spiritually in my journey and responding to that. This gets his attention but it's not going to work out the best. His pain stirs him up. When God touches what we hold dear, it tends to cause us to seek Him. That's a good thing. So God touches Jeroboam's son, and Jeroboam's like, we need to find out what the future holds here. And I'm sure it affected mother too. So, the second thing we see, by the way, let me pause before we go any further. Sometimes, let's just think about where we're at before we go any further. Sometimes when we, I deal with this as a pastor and you deal with this, when we deal with people, they're, I want people to, I don't mind if people are coming through that door because they're hurting. Cool in a way. I mean, cool like, great. Let's, let's, let's uh, maybe God's got your attention, so let's talk to you. Let's pray with you. Let's teach the Bible because we've been there too. Right? And I'll probably be there again. So if people come through hurting, they got, you know, the life hurts and all, okay. But sometimes people come through a door or you meet a person hurting or in a need of X, Y, Z type of need, but they have no intention beyond anything else in their life except put a Band-Aid on that and that's all I want. That's it. A lot of people are like that. In other words, I'm hungry, only feed me, don't give me anything else. Don't talk to me about something, 
Don't give me anything else. Remember that one prayer letter we read about the guy, the Ukrainian missionaries, and um, one of the guys, is, it was his nephew, and he's in the army, or he's fighting in Ukraine, and, and, um, and there were other Christians that were trying to give gifts to some of the, mission, to some of the soldiers, and, and one of the commanders of this one guy they're praying for, this one unsaved nephew, who was actually a pastor's kid, unsaved nephew in the army, what would be the equivalent army of the Ukrainian, his commander was giving gifts, and the commander says, thank you for that, but I don't want to hear your message, but we do thank you for humanitarian support. And then God ended up, I mean, working in the other, the commander ended up having his guts blown out, and the unsaved nephew sees that in his commander, and it finally just stirs him up to be saved. But sometimes people are in pain, and it's like, that's all I want is just fix the pain, pay the bill, and that's all I want. And that's here, number two, insight. Sometimes when somebody has pain that's not enough, sometimes people get like Jeroboam where they're picky in what they want from God. Okay? This whole thing right here of getting his wife to dress up and not look like the the queen, the wife of the the king, it's not about in the sense of he's trying to hide, but the bigger picture is this. He wants to be selective in what he gets from God. Okay, so here's Jeroboam and his wife. Our our son's dying. He's dying. This is serious. And so he thinks, by the way, we'll get to this. He knows where to go for the truth. When it comes down to it, I know I'm, I'm not going to the false prophets. All right, honey, we need to go see Abijah, the guy that first told me I was going to be a king here. But... We want to go see him, but I don't want to start. I don't want to open a can of worms. So as I go there, he's going to say, you got this bail worker. Just dress up like you're a common woman and go there. I mean, he's treating it like a fortune teller type of thing. And just go there from that Abijah is. And, um, and just don't let him know you're who you are, but let's find out the future of our son. Do you see what he's doing? I'm going to say it again. Honey, we want to know what the future of the son is. But dress up so he doesn't think it's you, so that you'll go there and he'll say, what's on? Oh, your son's this. Well, let me tell you the future of it. In other words, he's saying, when, when you go to see him, we don't want him dealing with anything else about us. Are you following that? That's how some people are with God. It's almost like, hey, God, it's almost, and with church, like, tell me my fortune. Don't tell me my faults. I, I, I want to, you know, that's an American thing. Listen, this is what I want, and I don't want this. I want bacon, lettuce, tomatoes, no onion, a little bit of this special Dijon, but no salt. That's how I want it. And that's how I want God. When I come to church, I want God like this, but not like this, but not like this, but not like this. What do you think you are? You can do that at McDonald's and Red Robin, but God is who he is. He's not who you want him to be. He is, and we got to accept him as he is. And so here's Jeroboam. Go there and get the fortune, but don't hear the fault. So that's why we got to hide ourselves. Um, we want to have information from him, but we don't want touching him transforming us and telling us and confronting us about the Baal worship and, and the idols. We just, this is what we want and this is what we don't want. And that, if he had it, he had him thinking in some ways that he knew where to go, but he's still thinking, what do you think this is? A, this is a prophet. This is a prophet. He's going to know. 
Let's say, okay, so he's picky in what he wants from God. And that's how sometimes people are. Remember that when we, you need to remember that for yourself. God, I, who you are is who you are. And I surrender to that even to what I don't know about you. Amen? I have to surrender even to what I don't know about God and say, when you're ready, tell me, and I'll accept it ahead of time. And same thing with people. When given the gospel, this is who God is. It's extremely just and extremely loving. He's persuaded, thirdly, about dealing with the Jeroboam. He's Jeroboam, look at this. He's persuaded about God's prophet but not committed. Remember what I said? Here's Jeroboam with his sick son, and they're at the bottom, so to speak. His wife's there, and he doesn't say, honey, go to the prophets of Baal or go to the, the northern calf or the southern calf and inquire those priests. You know why? Because he set those priests up. He probably felt like he was better than them. He knew when it boiled down to it, when he was at the bottom, he goes, there is somebody who's going to tell me the truth. He was convinced of a prophet of the Lord. But, watch this, not committed to him. I'm not going to commit to it. Now, there's, um, he's saying, I know where to go for the truth. By the way, okay, think about this. Don't think that all people refuse, please listen to this. Don't think that all people refuse church simply because they don't know if it's true. Don't think that all people refuse the gospel simply because they don't think it's true. Some people know it's true and choose not to be committed to it in a faith relationship. Now, there's a few reasons why people honestly don't believe, and this is in Scripture. There's, well, we'll just talk about three, and the third one I just mentioned some people don't believe because, as Paul said, they haven't heard. How can they believe if they haven't heard? Romans 10. Okay, so that's a huge problem. That may be the biggest problem in the world. Other people don't believe yet because they have heard, but they need some further convincing, a little bit more time. Okay, and there's examples of that um, in the Scripture as well. Acts 17 I believe verses 10 to 12, where they've heard, but they're still unconvinced. That would be Bereans. Sometimes we use the Bereans as Christians or testing everybody with the Scripture. The Bereans were first unsaved people in a synagogue. Paul came in and preached to them. And before they believed, before they believed the gospel, they went and see if those things were so in the Scriptures. We hear that. We hear this claims of Jesus. Not saved yet. And they went and see. And then they believed it says that's who the Bereans were so they they heard it they they were in a sense were informed of it and then they were convinced but the third reason why some people don't believe is because they've been convinced in their mind but they're uncommitted in their heart I'm going to say this quickly you can look in John chapter 2 at the end of John chapter going into chapter 3 you have interesting dynamic the Bible says that Jesus did these mighty miracles and stuff and then it says people believed on them but then it says Jesus knew them. And he, basically what it says is there was a belief in that I acknowledge what he's doing. I acknowledge he's Messiah. But there wasn't a true heart trust. And that's why chapter 3, who comes to see Jesus in chapter 3? Who? 
And what did Nicodemus say to Jesus? I'm not sure if you're the one. What did he say? We know you're a teacher come from God. He knew that much, but Jesus said, you have to be born again. And so here's a guy, here's back to Jeroboam. Jeroboam is like this. I know where to go for the truth, but he wasn't committed to it. And we need to sometimes recognize that in people, that some people know the truth. They might could utter it. They might could say a catechism, a statement of faith. But it's like, have you put your heart trust in Jesus Christ to be saved? Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. A lot of people know how to go blah, 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 blah with their mouth because of a catechism or something that they learned. But believe in your heart. Then thou shalt be saved. And so here's, we got to have that spiritual insight in dealing with people. And here's a man like that, the, uh, 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 the prophet here, uh, Ahijah. And I think I'm mixing these guys' name up. But Ahijah the prophet. And uh, here he is discerning him. And God's giving him insight. Of course, he's sitting there. He can't hardly see. And God tells him what to say. But number four, we want to see the prophecy against him are hard truths. This is a tough... I would hate to have been here. I would have hated to have been her. She shows up all disguised. And God had already, God already um, keyed in the prophet here, Ahijah, and said, so Mrs. So-and-so's coming. She's acting like she's not the queen. And here's why she's coming. And here's what you're going to say. And so they thought, they thought they were sending to the prophet. But actually, God was sending the prophet to them because that's what he even says. So he's pers- he, he, the prophecy against them are hard truths. Look at these hard truths. Oh. The end of verse 6, I am sent to thee. With heavy tidings. This man, this blind man says right here, I'm sent to thee, Mrs. Mrs. Jeroboam. And then he says, here's what you need to tell your husband. It's a long message here. Verse 7, go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I exalted thee from among the people and made thee prince over my people Israel. Look at verse 8. And rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to thee. Yet thou hast not been as my servant, David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do that only which was right in mine eyes, but hast done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and, and hast cast me behind thy back. We'll pause right there. So here's the prophet. He's saying, hey, Mrs. Jeroboam, I got hard tidings for you. Here's what you say to your husband. Thus saith the Lord, I made you the king. I, I, uh, I, I dis, uh, disbenefited the rest of David's line for your sake. But you've blown it. You haven't even been like David. He wasn't perfect, but he always repented. He haven't even been like my servant David. And you've cast me behind your back. Thus saith the Lord, you've cast me behind your back, says the prophet to, the, to, to Jeroboam through his wife. Uh, and now you've provoked me to anger. Look at verse 10. Therefore, God's word to Jeroboam, therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall. That's a, that's a very clear statement of a male and him that is shut up and left in Israel. 
and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as a man taketh away dung. Oh, these prophets, oh, you know, just, they just need to be a little more polished and refined. Well, that was God's choice of words right there. Say it. Say it tough to them. I'm flushing you and your family. Wouldn't it be hard to be like, you found out like all, you know, some disease was rampant all of a sudden instantly on everyone in your family. Oh, you know, and, and this, in this case, God's saying you're, everybody's going to get wiped out in time, in short time. Verse 11, him that dieth of Jeroboam in the, in the, in the city shall the dogs eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat, for the Lord hath spoken it. It's a very much of a disgrace for people. In this culture, if you died and were just left uh, unburied, it would be a disgrace. It would be a disgrace if you were never buried back in your hometown. They didn't get any of that. They said they're going to die disgracefully and left unburied. Verse 12, Arise therefore and get thee to thine own house, and when thy feet, he's talking to Mrs. Jeroboam, enter into the city, the child shall die. Oh, man, she must have been devastated. She comes to visit him. He already knows it's me. He can't see. He can't even see. What about my husband? What? Oh, my husband blew it. I was kind of wondering about that. And what happens when I go into the city? My son's going to die instantly when I cross right in there. And that's what she has to do. She goes back. Let's just stop for a second on this point. So when we deal with people, this is just a fact of life. Um, let's just be honest. We've read the Bible. There's some hard stuff in there, huh? Even if all we knew was the gospel part. Ooh, hard stuff, right? What's hard within the gospel? What's tough stuff, huh? Hell! That's a component of the gospel, right? In the sense of... Uh, Saving from what? Sin? You mean I'm, I'm a failure? Yeah. Yeah, all have failed and come short of the glory of God. All missed the mark. And, oh, well, I, we have to say those things in specific ways, like fail, like I, I failed to keep God's commandment. I failed to love God. I failed to keep God first. I've lied, stole, cheated, and blaspheming, and adultery, and all these things, even if it's only in your heart, or, you know, hate somebody. Oh, well. That's hard stuff. But somebody will not get saved unless they're awakened to that. Any more than somebody would choose to really follow through with a cancer treatment unless they get convinced that they have it. And so here, here's, he's saying these are hard truths. In their case, there's no gospel in this, their situation. There is gospel whenever we deal with somebody, right? I, 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 don't, I can't figure everybody out. I can't. And I know there's certain hardening that's just going to be... I, but there's a, I try to treat it like everybody has hope as long as the pulse is going. And so the hard, so Paul said, Acts 20, 26 and 27, Paul says, you know, I'm free from the blood of all men. When he was dealing with the, the people in Ephesus, he says, there's no blood on my hands. Why? Because I told you the whole counsel of God. I told you the whole story. I didn't make it gospel light. I didn't leave out certain ingredients in this. I gave you the whole deal that God said. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, the sweet, the sour. And so prophecy, dealing with some people like that, uh, I'm not even on this 
clicked on this thing. Against them are hard to go to number four, please. There they are, all five. It's fine. The prophecy against them is hard truths. There's just remember when Jesus, remember when Jesus was on earth, there was times where they said they heard him and like, oh, this is a hard saying. Like, ah, ah, ah. And so that's what happens. And I love that. By the way, I always go back to that. I love how that, that whole story goes. The people are like, oh, this is a hard saying, and a bunch of them just take off. Like, yeah. And then Peter and the other ones, Jesus is like, you guys going to go away too? It's almost like Jesus was roughing them up. You guys leaving too? And that's not a bad thing. And I love what he says. He's like, where are we going to go? It's, I love, this is where I can't identify, with, well, I guess I can't identify with Peter with several things, the bad stuff. But this is one part where I'm like, it's almost like, we're, you know what? We're not that smart. And we don't get that part either, and that is kind of tough. But where are we going to go? You are the one who has the words of eternal life. We just trust in you then. Boy, that was a hard truth he said about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, and no one can come unto me if the Father draw him. What? All right, then. Well, we're still going to trust you. And that's how you had to get when you read your Bible, too. It's like there's some hard truths. Like, ooh, that was a tough one. I never heard pastor preach on that. Well, all right, well. I'm going to accept it. Sometimes there's just hard truths. In this case, they had a definite hard truth with this Jeroboam. But last of all, and this is just a, 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 I'm fascinated by this, is that this man, this woman had a son, and the king had a son, a precious son that he could have learned from. Look what it says in verse 13. I told you he was a good kid. I say kid. Again, he could have been in his 20s. All Israel. Remember, that it says the child died at the end of verse 12. So I guess he would have been probably under 20. The child died and all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. Why? For he only, uh, pardon me, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Do you see that? Did you see that? They said, so he's telling her, he says, everybody's going to mourn for your son when he dies. Because in something, in him, there's something good toward the Lord God. I think it's reasonable to say he was a true believer in the midst of a dark family and a dark nation. He had a precious son. So this king, this king who was leading people and had this cool form of worship that everybody was following, but was disobeying God, he had a righteous son. They still love the Lord. In some way, there was something good that he could have learned from. He said, you know, I ought to be like that. By the way, all the kids in here, it's still your responsibility to, you know, you're in here with your parents with the Bible and all that and pastor. And it's still your responsibility to be convinced and to follow God for yourself. If we all kind of blow it in here, it's still your responsibility. What are you going to do? Is it still true or not? So he could have learned from this son, this precious son. And that's how it is with us today. Isn't it neat that, there, that God has a precious son that people need to learn from, right? Look, the Bible says this. When twice from heaven at least, Jesus was baptized. When he was baptized, he said it out loud to everybody, that's my son. In whom I am well pleased. That's the one I'm pleased with. And it should have got everybody's attention. Be like, all right then. 
And then later on, when he was in the Mount of Transfiguration, the other few disciples, the Lord spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son, hear him. Jesus has always got to become the focus of whatever type of person we're dealing with. Did you hear that? He's dealing with a Jeroboam. We may be dealing with Jeroboam types. We need spiritual insight, but it's always, the answer is always, do I know Jesus? Am I walking with Jesus? Am I trying to become like Jesus? He's always the one that we need to be taking things back to. Jeroboam, somebody needed spiritual insight and deal with them. Here's a hija that has it. We need that. I've realized that lately, even just like, um, and I've realized this. <laughs> it's like, don't just, don't just try to, when I'm hearing somebody, don't just hear the mere words. What's, this, what's really happening in this person? What is this person really saying? You know, we've had people float through here that have, there was somebody recently I met again. And um, my wife gave me a little warning about him. And it made me think a little further about him. And I'm like, I don't know if this person's who they say they are. And I was like, God, give me some insight in dealing with this person. If we need that, a couple questions and we'll, we'll, be clo- we'll close here to get today. I want to make us, help us all be encouraged here to be wise. First question is, am I a Jeroboam? Not merely even that you might be unsaved, but am I like that with God? God, this is what I want from you, but if you have something, I I don't want to deal with you then if you're going to deal with my sin or my fault. I just want you to give me that. Are we like Jeroboam? That's how he was. That's that's what's represented by that wife right there. Handpicking what they want from God. Am I dealing truly with other Jeroboams around me? A person that's been successful, but a person that has a problem, but the person that's been also rejecting God, and you're like, i got to deal with a hard truth with you. I'm glad you've done this, this, and that, but are you really saved? Or whatever. Sometimes people need to deal hard truths with. And then last question, am I seeing people... Am I seeing life and people through God's eyes? Do I have some insight from God when I'm dealing with people? The best way to get insight from God, obviously, is from the Bible and trusting His Holy Spirit. And I think we see that essence of that happening on this man right here. The Word of God, the Spirit of God directing him.